Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Ben, we're super excited to have you on the show and congratulations on your recent 215 marathon. That is flying. What is that, like 509 per mile? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Did you even wear a watch for that? So I don't. I didn't wear a GPS watch, but I had a regular Timex. So I had like a general idea of where I was, but not exactly. If that makes right, sense. Right. Right. No. Totally. I know my husband when he did his first few races out of college, all he did was use the Timex watch. When you're normally racing, do you just use a Timex watch usually? Yeah. No, I've never raced with a GPS. Oh, that is so funny. Do you train with a GPS? Only like marathon specific workouts, like long runs or whatever, where I need to hit a specific pace. Right. But other than that, no. Yeah. And I noticed a lot of your training, I was kind of trying to find stuff on you. Like, what did you do to break through? And you ran like a six minute PR down at Houston, um, qualifying for the Olympic trials, running 215. So, what does your training typically look like? I mean, I didn't see anything public that you have. Like I was looking on running to win. I was looking on Strava, Garmin. Do you keep everything private kind of for a reason? No, I, I just, honestly, I don't know. It's just more effort for me than it's worth. I think to upload everything to, I think I have a running to win, win account and a, uh, a I, I joined Strava like a month ago or something, but I don't think I ever uploaded anything. But like, like I said, I don't have a GPS watch. Typically I'm just, you know, Right, you just have, have like your Timex upload. that you use. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. Oh, that's so cool that you don't use a GPS for most of your runs. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of stems back to college and stuff. So tell me a little bit about like you running in high school and then um, you ended up going to the University of St. Thomas. Um, where did you run in high school? So I'm from Chaska. Originally I ran for Chaska High School. Um, for two years, just uh, junior and senior year. So a little bit of a late start. Yeah, but why did you start late? Were you involved in other sports? I wasn't. No, I'm, I, I wasn't really – I wouldn't have considered myself athletic in any way at all, you know? Like, I, I had no idea that I had this, like, latent talent. What? Really, really. How did you first discover you were just, like, one day waking up thinking, I'm going to do cross country this year? <laughs> How did it all begin? Uh, so my sister ran in high school and she skied and I think she was bigger into skiing than running, but she wanted me to join the ski team. And that was the goal. And she's like, well, you got to have some base fitness so you can cross country ski. So she's like, you should join cross country running. Right. So that's kind of how it, uh, that's okay. how I got into yeah, it. Yeah, That makes sense. Cause it kind of translates over. Is your sister older than you? Yes, my, my older my older sister Stephanie. Ah, uh, so she's setting a good example for you to to join yeah. and then you so you did your first cross country season. Were you, you know, like naturally did you find that you were good at it and you were surprised or how did that play out? I think I, I was sort of surprised. I mean I, I wasn't like by any means like the star athlete. I think I was like right. typically like tenth through fifteenth or something on the team my first year at, at the start anyway, and then by the end of the year I snuck into like I think the seventh seventh place and made like the last varsity position for the the section meet so I was I was okay I guess yeah I mean that's pretty impressive to not have like any experience whatsoever and you were probably just right. expecting, you know not to come in last and then you realize right. hey exactly. this is something I can like get better at um that's right. so cool so you were more of like middle of the pack runner what was that your junior year and then into your senior right. year you maybe were getting like super motivated because you were seeing how much improvement you were making and you were kind of beating people that originally were faster than you right. um yeah so you which is got super hooked. fun yeah yeah <laughs> right is that kind of right. like what got you hooked on the sport oh yeah I think just like the improvement in general just like yeah seeing yourself progress is so you know so exciting so much fun totally so then in your senior year is it that you were looking and you wanted to run for the U of M or was the U of M a school that you wanted to go to just 
growing up as a kid because it's the biggest school and tell me yeah, about that pretty much yeah pretty much I just wanted to go to the University of Minnesota for more so for academic reasons and and then you know yeah senior year of our high school was like well you know it would be fun to run in college if I could so then I I just kind of like I I didn't even know like I didn't have like you know mentors or anyone that really told me like how you go about it but my sister was taking classes at the U of M and was able to get Mr. Placentia's email so I just straight up sent him an email asking what I would have to do to you know walk onto his team oh wow so this was your senior year or was it your junior year high school senior year yeah senior year senior year so you were getting excited you're looking at colleges you're applied to the U of M and then you're like hey maybe I could run you know cross country at the U because you are getting so much faster as the years are going on. Um, and then what What did he say in response to you asking, like, hey, can I join the team? Yeah, I mean, he, he pretty much said, yeah, you're not fast enough to run D1. But he was like, you, you should look at some D3 schools or whatever if you want to run in, in college. Wow. He was, he was a bit – he was honest with me. You know, he didn't, he didn't sugarcoat it or nothing, but – Right. Did you guys have any back and forth after that? Or was that just kind of the final email? And you're like, well, I guess I'm going to look at D3 schools. So I sent him an email and like no punctuation, no capital letters. It was just four words. All I said was, just remember my name. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love that. (laughs) I'll admit, like, you know, I was a 17 year old kid. I was a bit immature. Obviously, that's not like the, the most diplomatic way to go about like contact no it's not but I mean if you look back on it now I mean what that was 12 years ago and right I wonder if he does remember your name (laughs) I actually bumped into him running once like I don't know five or six years ago he was just out running on the river road and we had like a a small informal chat about it you know but I don't think there's any like real oh yeah no he I think he knows knows who I am. I, I raced a couple of times in college too at the, at the university's indoor meets too. So I, I see him around once in a while. Does he still coach there? I believe he does. Um, I think they just restructured though this year. So I don't know what the deal is right. exactly, but yeah, he was like the men's head, head, head cross country coach. I believe I, I don't know exactly where he is now though. Wow. That's gotta be crazy. So you're 17 years old. You just started running you have like two years of experience and you say to this guy, like, just remember my name. And now like you have, you ran a 215 marathon, which I don't know. That's probably one of the fastest times of people like from your generation in Minnesota qualified for the Olympic trials. And when you were in college, um, tell me a little bit about how you like progressed as a runner. So you started off D3 school, um, were you the best on the team or how did you improve throughout college? I, I was, I think pretty much for the most part for cross country anyway, the, the, I mean, I was the first or second finisher for most of our meets freshman year. Oh, um, wow. not, not so much in track. I don't have really like the leg speed, I guess, to be a good, or I didn't anyway at first, but I was still up there oh. anyway. Yeah. So you're more of like a long distance guy, which is surprising because, I've seen like you won the Twin Cities one mile and I see you run 5k is really fast all the time. So are you more of a distance guy? And that's kind of how you've always been. Oh yeah. I'm definitely a distance guy. I had, I had like zero speed when I went to St. Thomas. I think I ran like 204 for an 800 my freshman year. Like I was, is I was that, a slow. Wow. I was so is that slow like guy. your fastest 800? You just never did it again after that? No, so I've, I've run 158. I did that in a workout, though. So I don't know right. what I would have been capable of. But I, I spent a lot of time working on my speed at St. Thomas just because, like, for track of any distance, like, to be able to win, you really have to have a good, strong finishing kick, right? You know what I mean? Right. Totally. So I spent yep. a lot of time, like, developing raw speed so that by the time I graduated, I could probably do – I think I did, like, a 12 – low 12s for 100 meters um, – which is not by any means like flying, but no, but for I mean, for a distance runner, that's, right. that's good. Yeah. Right. Um, so what was your main event in track then? Did you just stick with like the 10 K 5 K or did you ever do like the 1500 event? Yeah. I, I mean, I only ran like one or maybe two 10 Ks just because Pete just wasn't a big believer in 10 Ks. Just, I think it kind of beats you up a little bit. So I did mostly 5 K and 1500 outdoors and then like, 3k mile indoors and then a few 5ks but he, he kind of tried to save me a little bit I think and and not let me beat myself up 
Right. So, like, your most impressive PRs from college, you'd probably say are, you know, the 5K then. What what sort of times were you running in college? Yeah, fi- 5K and 3K. I mean, I ran 8.07 for 3K and 14.10 for 5K in college. Wow. That's super fast. Did you peak, like, your senior year? I got better every year, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, said, I said PRs. One of your questions on there, I know you said was, did I set any PRs after college? But pretty much all of my PRs, except for the mile, came came after college. Oh, really? So what was your mile PR that you ran um, in college? I ran 4.10, I believe. Wow. Okay, so you're like a 4.10 miler, but you ran a 2.15 marathon. That's that's really impressive. So you're you're a big endurance guy then. I mean, you've got the that slow twitch for sure. Right. Yeah. What do other guys who have ran like a four ten mile? Do you know what sort of marathon times they normally run? I mean, I think that it's not like if you have that that extra speed that it's difficult to run a like a, a marathon. Well, there are definitely guys that have that range to run three fifty five or four minute miles and then run two ten or two eleven for the marathon. So I think wow. my time actually I think line up pretty evenly, like all the way from the mile to the marathon if I use a a pace equivalent calculator yeah yeah I bet yeah you definitely have range you're you're a pretty good athlete um I know after after college then you still wanted to compete you know at a high level and challenge yourself um and then you went on and you decided you want to do a half marathon and what year did you graduate college 2012 is when I yeah left St. Thomas and then I did run grandma's right after that Gary Bjork yeah 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 how how did you think your first half marathon went so I ran yeah like 109 something it was a rough experience to say the least I I I was quite a bit burnt out when I left St. Thomas and then on top of that I think I took like two weeks off and then jogged a couple of times going into the race so I went into it like with no running pretty much and just see what I could do on guts alone (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so you're coming off of like a track season. I didn't realize because right. I mean, you're you're competing what well into probably April or May. End of May, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were probably focusing more on you know five k, ten k track sort of stuff. And then you're like, hey, why not? Why not do a half marathon? Right. So I can do so. But right. sixty nine minutes coming out. I mean, that's that's a pretty good um, debut half marathon up at grandma's but I'm sure right. it was kind of like a reality check you're like whoa this is kind of a it's a whole new world out yeah, there with road oh, races yeah yeah that, that was definitely the longest I'd raced at, at, at that time so <laughs> yeah so what sort of long runs did you do um in college in track yeah leading up to that half like what was the furthest you had ran before that 15. we would do 15 mile long runs in college so we we ran longer than that distance anyway Right. So you had, you'd done runs that long, but definitely not at that pace, probably. So that right. was, that's always a shock to the system. But grandmas, you go back pretty much every year. I was kind of like looking up your results and it was like 2012, yeah. 13, 14, 15. And I've seen you up there before and you're always running fast. So you've taken your half time down from like 69 all the way down to 64 in 2015. So right. what yep. what sort of training do you do? I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. You know, three years after college, you're still running competitively. And while doing this, you're working full time um, in a retail setting. So like you're on your feet all day. I'm impressed by that because if I'm on my feet for like, you know, all day, you're, you're sore for, from running. So what was your like weekly mileage looking like in those years post-college? Um, let's see. Probably I got as high as 100 in 17 one week I remember I did I would do stints above 100 for like three four weeks in a row and then I would back down to like 90 ish that's typically where I would keep it wow when that, so that was when I was on team USA from like 2013 to 2014 okay team so USA, you were Minnesota. on team USA Minnesota yeah so Correct. how did that happen and what is team USA Minnesota for people listening who maybe don't know what that is yeah it's a developmental group here in the Twin Cities just for um U.S. guys that are, you know, trying to develop and train post-collegiately, they have a coach and they have teammates uh, and, you know, they have opportunities to travel and race essentially. So it's just to help develop people after college so that they're not falling off on their own. 
Right. So you kind of jumped on that, you know, within a year of graduating, it sounds like, right? Yeah. So I, I applied right out of college and like originally was like turned down, but I asked Barker, Dennis Barker, the coach at that time, if he would be willing to coach me. And he said, sure, you can jump in with that guy. So I was working out with them right out of college and then eventually officially joined the team. Like I think spring, April or so of, of 2013. So just, you know, less than a year after graduating. Yeah, that's really nice. So do they, um, what sort of benefits are there to being on Team USA Minnesota? Like, do you get paid to run or what does yeah. that look like? Yeah. Well, they get a living living wage stipend essentially to help with the cost of like, you know, your regular living wages. And then they get um, like travel and, and hotels paid for and whatnot for meat if the meat doesn't cover it. And they get uh, other benefits like lifetime fitness membership and stuff like that. And they get uh, the benefit of a coach and teammate, which I think is the most important thing, just having people to train with and, and, and people to push you and whatnot. Yeah, totally. That competitive atmosphere. I mean, you know, right. from in college, it can really help take your training to the next level. So you were on that for a short time. And then after that, um, when you didn't have like the team anymore, did you still practice with them or how did your training change after Team USA Minnesota? So I've had, um, I've had a ton of injuries, right? So like right after I got let go, I had a stress fracture. Um, and I, I've had one pretty much every fall almost with the exception of, um, last year, 20, 2018. But, um, I, at that point, like I would just train on my own, which, you know, was not, it's not the worst thing in the world, but, um, it's, it's definitely harder to stay focused and stay honest with yourself. Yeah, definitely. And then you probably had a, to pick up more hours at work and stuff because you weren't getting that stipend anymore. Right. right. Going from part-time to full-time at, at run and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Was that tough? Just, I mean, balancing it. I know personally, I mean, like I don't run nearly as much as you, I, you know, like I'm running what maybe like an hour a day max, but, um, working and juggling that I, I can't imagine being at your level and having to work and then, maintaining your fitness I mean and then you improved so I mean you kept dropping your times um so did you like have to lower your mileage or how did you stay competitive and continue to improve during those times so you get used to it when I started at running fun it was like super hard going up and down the stairs and whatnot but like I got used to it to the point where it's like it's not a big deal like I I would work um like when I ran the uh TC 10 mile last year or two years ago in 2017, like I worked the day before. That's a, that was a busy day for them. So, um, oh my gosh. and it's like, no, I mean, I've been doing it for, I'd been doing it for three years or four years or whatever. So it's like, at that point, your legs just get used to it. It doesn't even bother you. Right. Like your body just adapts to, right. you know, and, the, and the I think there's, there's some benefits too, to that come with like going up and down the stairs all day. You end up with strong glutes and strong hamstrings and, and there's definitely some, you know, like seriously, some, some cross. No, I, lo- I love that attitude. I, I seriously agree with you because I know some ultra runners out there who talk about, um, if they work a desk job, it's really important to like get up and walk because yeah. your body, I mean, it, it gets used to that sort of thing. So now that you're not in that position anymore, where you get to run up and down the stairs or whatever all day, um, are you on your feet or do you have a desk job now? Yeah, I have a desk job now, but I still take breaks pretty much every hour or 90 minutes and I'll go walk up and down the stairs to shake the legs out and get the blood moving. Do you think it was hard to transition from being on your feet all day oh, to sitting absolutely. at a desk? Absolutely. Yeah. Like get off work and I would be so tight. Like there were days I couldn't even run. Wow. Like, it took me a couple of months to really figure out the whole, okay, you can't sit for eight straight hours. You got to get up every hour and walk around a little bit. You know, yeah, I stretch my out a little bit too, my hamstrings and, and just take a little break. Yeah, I mean, like, do you get, like, tight in your neck from sitting all day, like, and moving around your mouth and stuff, or not really? I, I don't have problems with my neck, but, like, my, my calves and my hamstrings get super tight from sitting. Okay, so it's your legs, yeah. So do you run yeah. in the morning, then, before work? I mean, when I was doubling for Houston, I did. I would do, like, five miles, but I have to be in pretty early. So it would be, like, I'd have to wake up at, like, 4 a.m. to do my hard sessions, which would be just a bit too early for me. So I do my right. hard sessions. Oh, you do? Okay, so you're more of an evening runner then. That's kind of the secret. I mean, I would prefer the mornings. I've always loved the mornings. Like, that's what I did when I was at Running Fun, and that's what I did on on Team USA. But, like, I thought it would be all but impossible, honestly, to transition to having to run in the evenings after work. But, I mean, like, 
and you just start doing it and you get used to it you acclimate and you make it work yeah that I mean that's great to know that you can be adaptable and you've had life changes too and you need to you know work through all those things because I think sometimes people get in their heads and they're like oh you know he's ran 215 marathon I'm sure you know he gets he can work out whenever he wants and he gets paid to run and all that stuff so do you get paid to run I I don't have any sponsors. Um, no, I don't. I don't make. I don't make. I didn't make. Uh, I don't think I made anything from running last year. I actually I made six hundred dollars from the Naples Half Marathon. That that was it. Wow. So what what is like your motivation then to to compete at such a high level? Is it just like being the best version of yourself, or what keeps you going? I mean, I hit. I definitely hit a funk last year. Like you know, I did take. After grandma's, I mean, I thought my 106 at grandma's was pretty disappointing for me. Um, and I took like two months off and just straight biked, didn't run at all. Started doing light jogging like September-ish, but didn't even start heart training again until um, mid to late October, really. So, I, I mean, like I, I took I took a break. I needed a break. It's um, It can be tough to grind out high mileage for long periods of time, too. Right. Um, so even people like you, your, your speed, yeah. you, you take breaks. Yeah. That's good to hear. And then you said that you got a stress factor almost every year. Um, what do you think like led to that? Is it just overtraining or do you think being on your feet at run and fun also kind of like attributed to all these stressors on your body? I think it was probably diet. My diet has not always been the best, but I used to be really bad. And I think that was definitely a contributing factor. I definitely eat more healthy now. And I have had significantly less issues I, uh, with, with bone density anyway the last couple of years. A, a big part of that is I just drink a ton of milk now, um, whereas before I didn't really at all. But I think that has helped like a lot with my bone density. I don't think being on my feet standing all day is all that, that hard, honestly. Right. It's it more about more the, the diet. Yeah. yeah. What were I, some of the signs that you would get like a stress factor? Because, I mean, after having so many, you probably started to know the symptoms. Like what, what does it feel oh, like? Yeah. Yeah, when you can't sleep, you know, when you're trying to lie down and you have this, like, pain just radiating from a bone, it's like, that's really bad. That's how you know, you know. Oh, no. So, did they tell on an x-ray right away or did you have to do an MRI? So, x-rays, yeah, you can't see on an x-ray. I don't think, I've only had one MRI and that's when I had a, um, I had uh, a stress fracture in my navicular and that didn't even show up on the MRI. It was about a year after that that I finally found out I had a fracture there with an an x-ray when it when it finally healed when I went back to the doctor actually for another issue and they took an x-ray of my foot so it's wow. I mean it's super hard to diagnose you know stress fractures I think even MRI and bone scan aren't always 100 percent so almost you always that you sorry what you definitely like, if you've had a couple of fractures you definitely know the pain it's a it's a strong and, and unique pain I would say right so you can almost like feel it coming on before now Right. Um, right. did you have to take significant time off for all of those stress fractures? I mean, obviously that's gotta be kind of derailing to your training. Right. Well, normally like my tolerance when it comes to that stuff is pretty low. Like if I feel a bone aching, like um, I'm willing to call it quits right away and try to catch it early. Cause it makes a big difference. If you catch a stress fracture in the very early stages, you can be out three or four weeks. Whereas if you, you wait till it's you know, a pretty decent yeah. and you're out like, you know, potentially a couple months, right? Shoot. Yeah. So, I mean, you've definitely had your, your times over the years where you've been, you know, out of the game, which is right. encouraging to hear. Cause I mean, even just this year, you said after you did a half marathon in June at grandma's and then you took like two months off, not running. And then you came back and you PR'd in the marathon running 215, which is crazy. A big part of that break, too, was just because, I mean, I had had stress fractures every fall going back to, like, 2011. And I was like, well, I can train hard now, but I'm probably going to end up fracturing a bone. So I thought, just take it easy, you know, cross-train for a couple of months, really let my body fully recover. Right. And you think it takes, you know, a couple of months after a big effort like that or a big buildup to let your body fully recover? I mean, probably not. You can probably fully recover. And I mean, everyone's different, but a, a couple of weeks probably would have been fine. I just Wanted took it to, to the excessive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people can learn from your experience and 
take what you're saying to heart because I mean you've gone through it you know like you've experienced those things that no one wants to experience and if you are someone that's taken two months off and you know I think it's a good example to set for other athletes because we work with people who you know they do a they PR in the marathon and then they want to get back you know in three days to running so it's good to know that someone um, at your level takes you know significant time off. Yeah, I would not advise, yeah, starting training three days. I know people who do that, yeah. Yeah, it's right. tough. Yeah, yeah. And so right now, I mean, you ran a marathon, what, 10 days ago? And you're not running at all. I'm not running at all. I probably won't. I mean, I'll honestly, like, I just listen to my body. I'll start running when I feel like it. When I get off work one day and I feel like, you know what? I'm ready to go for a run. I'll go for a run. And if that's three weeks or four weeks or five weeks, you know, so be it. Yeah, that's, that's really smart advice. It sounds so like straightforward, but I think a lot of people get paranoid, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose fitness. Do you feel that feeling like, oh no, I might lose fitness or you don't get that? Sure. But I mean, you can't, I don't let it, I don't let it bother me. You can get fitness back real quick. If you had fitness significantly quicker anyway, than to overtrain or or injure yourself, I would say. Yes. Yes, totally. So I love that confidence that you kind of know, okay, I'm going to get my fitness back, even if I have to take, um, you know, a couple of weeks off or whatever, or even a couple of months. Um, and obviously you've proved it to be true (laughs) with this fall. Right. Myself, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was surprised. I know that you're, you know, really fast and I thought, you know, you were probably, aiming for an Olympic trials qualifier, but you are well under an Olympic trials qualifier time. Um, the Olympic trials qualifying time is I think 219, but the actual Olympic qualifying time is 216 or that's what it's set at now. It could obviously change, but right. that's what okay. I was shooting for. Yeah. Cause this is what I'm curious about. So you qualify for the USA Olympic trials, obviously, but you are something about Luxembourg and you're going to the Olympics and how does that work? Like with your citizenship, tell me more about that. Right. So I acquired citizenship to Luxembourg a couple of years ago and then uh, transferred my uh, representation from the U S to Luxembourg. So um, I'm no longer able to have USATF membership or to run USATF races as a result, because you can only belong to one athletics uh, federation at a time. And now that I belong to the Luxembourg Federation of Athletics, I, um, I represent them uh, at, at international races um, instead of the U.S. So, and I did that pretty much just because I have better opportunities to, to train and race um, with them than I, than I do here in the right, state. And that's like where your family originates from, right? Right. That's where my mom is from. So, yeah. Yeah. That's Essentially, really you cool. know, you know, Alexi Pappas, right? Essentially, you know, she had the Greek citizenship, so she changed. Uh, essentially I did the same thing. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't, she run Chicago marathon this year. Right, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So she lives in the U S and she kind of did the same thing that you are talking about. Right. Right. Um, so Luxembourg, if I'm saying that correctly, are they like, what is their running like? Like they're, they're, they're Olympic team or how does that, they had, I think they had two distance runners, uh, that they sent to Rio in 2016, three years ago. It's not a big team. They had like nine or 10 people total on their Olympic team. It's a fairly small country. It's actually about the size of St. Paul. It's like 300,000 people. Well, that's teeny. Yeah, I can't. It's, yeah, it's small. Yeah. So you'd be, are you like the fastest qualifying person so far? Yeah, they haven't had a, mar- a marathon representative in, since like 1980 something or 90s. It's, it's been a, it's been a couple of, been a couple of uh, Olympics since they've had someone. So and I don't know that there's anyone really all that close to me either, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. So when will you know for sure if you're going, to, would it be to Tokyo 2020 then? Right. Yeah. So my goal is my hope is to go to Tokyo. I think um, the IAAF, the governing body will release like their standards or, or their entry qualifications or whatever. Um, usually like November or December, probably of this year. Um, but the qualifying window is already open. It opens January, January this of this year. Um, you have about 18 months to, to get your qualifier essentially. So you have until April of, of next year to 
to get it. So if it is like right now, the qualifying standard is 216. If it, if it remains there, then I would be eligible. If they lower it from there, then I would have to, I would have to run, run another. Yeah, yeah quicker. Um, yeah. I still are you gonna? On... Oh, you do plan on running another marathon? You know, I'm doing I'm doing Frankfurt later in the year, and I'll hope to get perhaps even a little bit quicker if I if I can. Um, maybe get under 215 or, or close to 214 or under 214 would be would be great I would think wow those turns just sound so fast that's amazing that you're able to run that fast it's, it's nauseating for me to think about too like when I'm doing my training I can't it's I can't think about like wow I gotta run 26 miles at 505 pace like because you go out and you try to do like I don't know five six mile tempo at that pace and it's like wow this is hard you know right like it feels hard for you in training right. too right. oh that's good to hear <laughs> right no it's hard for everyone regardless of what your pace is you know right no sure i mean that's crazy like with your marathon pace like doing tempo workouts at that pace even though it's like a tenth or a fifth of the distance it's not easy right no i mean i totally i can see exactly where you're coming from totally get it but i think like as you get faster it gets so much like harder because like that margin for error is like so much smaller and so you're really pushing it when you're going you know at your your pace but sure. um so you have only ran is it two marathons right two full marathons yeah two full marathons your first one was at cim and you ran 221 what was your goal going into that race so my goal that day was to get like the 218, 219, like essentially the U.S. trials qualifier. Mm-hmm. And did you go out hard or what did you think of your first marathon experience? Yeah, I went out like 108-ish, I think 108.30 maybe for the half. So we were on pace for like, I was running with a friend. We were on pace for like 217-ish. And I maintained that until about mile 23. And then all of a sudden my legs just like, cramped up and went bye-bye and like oh, no. my, my 520 pace turned into like seven minute pace just like that like almost instantly so that really added like six minutes to my time just going seven minutes like it was weird I thought I was walking honestly like I had never felt a pain <laughs> like that in my life like I, I didn't know if I was still moving forward at some points you know was that your furthest that you'd ever ran or yeah. how far did you run okay yeah. My furthest in training was 22 miles. So when I hit, yeah, 23, it was like, all right, this is, this is new territory. Oh, wow. You're for this run going into that. Did you say 22 miles? 22 last year. Well, was the longest I did. Yeah. That was the wow. And then like what sort of peak mileage did you do? Like for CIM, you mean? Yeah. For CIM. CIM. So I got up to 105 for two weeks and then I ended up with, a stress fracture uh, in my lower leg um, and ended up having to take, I think it was, I mean, I, I caught it fairly early. It was like three weeks I had to take off, but still, you know, that was six weeks out from, from the marathon. So no way. Are you serious? And you still ran it? Oh gosh. Three weeks out. I remember. So I was doing, I was actually, I used to, I live here, but I would fly out once or twice a month to Denver um, to stay with a friend and I would do my long runs out there at altitude because I thought that would help. And I remember like I had one last long run planned three weeks out with him. And I, I called him and I was like, I don't even know if I should still bother. Like, he's like, well, he's like, I'm, I'm going to run. So he's like, you might as well come out and run with me. And I was like, okay. So I went out there and did it. And the workout was like, we were trying to do 22 miles essentially at two mile warm up, And then, um, alternating two miles at race pace one mile um easy recovery like seven minute pace or something but we were at like six thousand feet and i made it like 16 miles of the workout so about 18 total and my legs just kind of gave out and i had to walk back unfortunately so that was that was my confidence booster going into cim oh wow that is a crazy story and speaking of altitude yeah i know probably some of your friends like you mentioned live out at altitude i think that most people who are maybe at your level, um, do that. They, they move out somewhere at altitude. So talk to me a little bit about like why you haven't chosen to do that and kind of like your philosophy there. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely get decent training here in Minnesota and there's, there's great training partners here too, which I really like. There's a great network of runners and, and, and racing opportunities in Minnesota, which 
I absolutely love. Um, and I feel like training in some of the heat and the humidity in the summer and then the cold temperatures in the winter, I mean, those adverse conditions kind of affect you in the same way that altitude would. You're, you're definitely getting some benefit because you're training with less oxygen than, than you would normally have. You know what I mean? Right. No, that, that definitely makes sense. So you in the Minnesota winter, so like right now, tomorrow it's going to be, you know, negative, <laughs> negative uh, what, like uh, negative 40? Uh, no. <laughs> No. Do you run outside in that? If it's above zero, if it's above zero on the okay. Fahrenheit scale, I will. But not like this. This is like this is this isn't even dangerous. This is like stupid if you go outside right now. Totally. No, I'm right there with you. But I know some people who are like, no, I'm always outside regardless. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there are people out there running. Yeah. I mean, you got to be built a certain way. I think. I don't think there are enough <laughs> layers that would unfortunately be able to keep me like safe. No, so so you do run on the treadmill then probably quite a I bit know, in the winter. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the treadmill. I don't mind the treadmill. It doesn't like really bother me. I mean, especially like if you have a decent treadmill, you know, like a woodway, it doesn't bother me. So you normally run on woodways then? I try to find woodways, yeah. I would say it's preferential over like a regular plastic treadmill with a belt that you're slamming. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree. That's a good good metaphor. Um, Do you ever use them like in the summer or it's just only in the winter if i have to i mean i certainly don't prefer a treadmill but like if there's a a thunderstorm and lightning and whatnot you shouldn't really be outside so unfortunately then i would move it inside but that would be pretty much the only case i don't mind the, the heat and humidity right no that's that's good to know that you're you're okay using those treadmills you're not one of those hardcore people that's that's great um but speaking of hardcore conditions and thunderstorms <laughs> you went and spectated the boston 2018 oh, marathon yeah. this year <laughs> and you didn't even like have an umbrella or anything did you um no i did i did bring an umbrella but it was so windy it wouldn't have done anything it would have blown away <laughs> it was like 40 mile an hour winds right so yeah i mean you were like soaked <laughs> I was. No, I went to the airport, like, immediately after, too. And, like, I set off this, you know, like, I couldn't, I went through, like, the security thing, and I was soaking wet. And so, like, my whole body came up as, like, flat, you know, suspicious, you know what I mean? Like, the whole, my whole body was yellow, and they're like, we're going to have to do a full body pat down. And I was just dressed. They looked at me, like, oh my God. I was like, outside, it's pouring, come on. <laughs> that is seriously the funniest story ever. I know you were spectating with Jason because you had a friend that was running. And I, what I'm getting a kick out of this is that you were, you flew out to Boston from Minneapolis. There was like a snowstorm, right? And I know you got like delayed flights. Or you, did you have to sleep in an airport? Yeah. So I, I was originally going to go to Providence and then just spend like the weekend there just because I'd never been there. And then I was going to like drive up sunday night or monday morning to watch the marathon but yeah the msp airport closed so i ended up getting on a flight to chicago and then spending the night at chicago but there were like no flight options to providence so they ended up sending me straight, straight to boston, to boston. And, yeah, so i spent the weekend in boston which was plenty of fun you know in the yeah in the rain um so then you're you went all the way out there you're you're a 221 marathoner right and you're not running the marathon. You're going out there to support someone, which I think is awesome. But I think most people would want to, like, do the race themselves. Like, you didn't – did you feel like you were missing out on the race? Or how did you feel? I'm still young. I mean, there's still time for me to go out there and run it one day. I certainly didn't regret not running this year because that looked just – I mean – that looked, I don't know that I would have finished. That looked like the worst marathon conditions I could possibly imagine. I don't know how you, like, stayed warm. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, at that point, I think a lot of people just, like, adjusted their goals. The non-elites, anyways, right. and just kind of right. ran it for – I mean, like, I had a raincoat on. But I got a kick that you were spectating it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That just goes right. to show you that you kind of are that's, all about the, the running, running community. community. Right. Yeah. No, I, love, I mean, Minnesota has such a strong running community, and it's, it's super awesome that we have, you know, I mean, I don't think there are many states that have this, like, unique opportunity of, of, you know, training and racing, and we have all the club teams and the stores and all that, you know, and it's a big circuit and a big, a big group of athletes that show up, you know, and that's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm always amazed by it too. Because I mean, you're you're very fast, and I I mean, have you ever lost a race? 
in yeah, Minnesota. I, oh come on! Oh come on! I, was, I, was <laughs> to, I, don't, I don't think I won a single a single race last year. I mean, I was like fifth at Getting Gear and fifth at Brian Craft. Like I, which is crazy because like, what sort of times were you running when you were right. like fifth or third? What right. I mean, like, you were I running like, like sub thirty-one minutes, sub thirty-one minutes or something. I think for ten k, like maybe high thirties. That's insane. Most people would hear that time and be like, what? That didn't win? And it's like, no. <laughs> you know, you never know or, if you're going to win. Kraft, you know, it's like the prize money for Brian Kraft is 100 freaking dollars. <laughs> and yet the winning time every year is low 14s. And there's like five guys under 15 and like 30 under 16, right? Showing up for a, a $100. It's just, you know, but that's the, it's fun, you know? I know. It's, it's crazy. There's yeah. so many fast people. I, I don't even know where they all come from. And, you know, then there's other like rinky dink races in Minnesota where you can show up and run like a 19 minute 5k and win. But that's why I like doing the circuit races because it's super competitive. And I'm sure you know this, that, like it brings out the best in you as an athlete yeah. too. Yeah. Would you yes. rather run um, like a super competitive race like that, where you have a chance at losing or one where like, you know, you're going to win for sure. Oh, I, I would definitely prefer running the circuit races as as they are it's yeah it's fun you push yourself you get to see what you're really made of you know yeah I mean, totally. winning, a, winning a 5k like and getting 100 dollars and you win by like three minutes is like you don't feel good about that you know like yeah i kicked some 17 <laughs> year old kid's ass today you know like i feel really <laughs> damn good about myself you know no i totally agree with you it's better i would rather like lose and have you know like a little bit of a faster time oh, okay. um then, you know, like, win a 5K with, like, a mediocre time, right? <laughs> totally. So, as far as, like, winning races and all that stuff, are you pretty secretive about, like, what sort of races you're showing up to? Or, like, how do you schedule your races in a year? Am I, am I secretive? I don't, I don't really know. Well, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I never know if you're going to show up to a race. It's always kind of like a surprise. Like, we're like, oh, Ben's there. Like, maybe he's going to win, you know? Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't, I don't post enough, I guess. That's what people say. Well, what I thought was really funny is here you are, you ran a 215 marathon. I knew this cause I had like two people text me about it and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I go on your Instagram, I'm like on your Facebook and I'm seeing like crickets, like there's no post, nothing. And you still haven't posted about it, which is really cool. Cause it, it shows me that like you're pretty much just doing it for yourself. You know, like it's a, it's an intrinsic motivation. Um, you don't like need that like external feedback. Is that kind of why you didn't post or what, how's your philosophy there? I mean, I, I think I posted about it. I posted about it on Facebook. Like I, I yeah. Like, later in the day. I know. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it took me like, you know, it took me a solid five hours just to get up after like get out of bed. I, like that was painful, you know? Right. Like you were destroyed after it. Yeah. It was like, ah, that was the worst I'd ever felt. That was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like how you should feel, right? Like after you, you know, race. I guess. <laughs> I See, I wore the, wore the 4% and everybody assured me that I would not feel sore at the end as a result, but I did, you know? How did you feel towards the end with those shoes? Well, I mean, I certainly felt better than my first marathon where I just fell apart, but I certainly, I wasn't like great by any means. My legs were definitely hurting the last couple of miles was, did it was feel a, like you were kind of sinking into the shoes a little bit or what was that feeling like? I never noticed that. I mean, it looks like you do when you step into them, but I never noticed that. Do you think that they helped you run faster? They probably did by, I, I would say maybe a minute or two. I don't think it's actually 4%, which would be like five minutes over the course of a oh, Yeah. No, you know. I think it's, a, you know, a couple seconds per mile for sure. Yeah, they're good shoes. Um, so as far as, like, your training and stuff, I think a lot of people want to know, okay, 215 marathon, like, what, what do you do? You know, like, how many – are you doing a lot of workouts, like, in a week? Do you just do one workout? I'll do two workouts a week. I try not to do more than that. Um, I do still do a lot of, like, speed training. Like I'll do tons of strides and tons of plyometrics, which might seem kind of counterintuitive, but I feel like that resilience and that raw speed helps me just because like the plyometrics give your legs a good beating, which is, is kind of what, what you would experience. I feel like in, in the end, end stages of a marathon. Right. And then having that, that raw speed too helps just because like, if you have that extra ability, then you have that extra ability at the end of a marathon, you have those extra, um, you know, 
muscles to rely on essentially yeah what I would... no I know strides definitely they help so how often do you do strides like is that something like you do every day almost or what I mean not necessarily but I'll do like hard hard strides like I'll do like 20 by all out 100 meters or whatever you know like once a week or something in the uh in the in the lead up like to my in the lead up to my heavy training not like the lead up to my to my marathon I'll do lots of like right two and, and 400s and stuff like that but I do do lots of like as I as then as I as I got closer to the to the marathon I did the I was training with Team USA um Danny Doherty and Tyler German were running the same race and so I met up with them like every Sunday that I could and we would do long runs together a lot of those would be hard long runs too where we would just kind of start out at like six minute pace and then just progress until we got down to like 520 pace at the end, you know, at the end of a, a long 20 or 22 mile run. We did a lot of that stuff too. That hard, hard long run kind of gives you those legs for the end of a race, I, I would imagine. Right. So you're doing kind of like one quality workout during the week and then like a long run workout is what you're yeah, mainly some, doing. Some shorter and, and fast and then something kind of long and hard essentially. And then easy jump miles in between really. I don't do, um, I'll never do more than like two workouts a week. I kind of get, I get burnt out. I get injured easily. So I, I try to be real cautious with that. So as far, yeah, that's really good advice. As far as like your easy runs, um, you know, you got like a five Oh nine marathon pace. I, you probably don't even really wear a Garmin much, but yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly, but I run with people who have, who wear a Garmin, you know, and they'll tell me, Oh, we're running five fifteen or five twenty pace. Or, um, I think that's a little bit quick though. I would say traditionally, I'm probably right around, um, what did I just say? Did I just say? <laughs> you said five fifteen, five twenty. <laughs> I meant. I was like, did I say? I meant six fifteen to six twenty. Sorry, is what okay, I meant. Okay, right, right. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I told you. Yeah. Six fifteen to six twenty is traditionally, um, probably where I'd be. And that's probably even a little bit fast. It's probably more six twenty five to six thirty. Yeah, yeah. So like six thirty range. So I mean, you're going at least you know a minute per mile slower than you're. Right. Marathon PR pace. Yeah, 90 seconds. Um, Do you ever run with like other friends who are slower? Because I mean, obviously, there's not like a ton of guys who can run, you know, 215 marathons. So, do you like what do you do, you know, if like Ben Jacobs or like Matt Bowmeister wants to go on a run? Do you kind of like slow down for them? Or I run with Bowmeister all the time. He He's the one pushing, he's the one who's always wearing the watch telling me we're going 615s though. But oh really? That's interesting. Do you think people try to like run faster with you because they know you're fast and they're like, oh, you know, I'm running with Ben. <laughs> I always worry about that. Like, I don't have a problem with running slow. You know, I I still show up on occasion to like the run and fun club runs, and I'll run eight minute pace, and I'll I'll run with. I love running with Ben Jacobs. You know, I don't I don't insist on pushing six thirties. Like I'm fine with seven seven thirty eight minute pace. I'll even run. 8.30 is 9 if, you know, it doesn't bother me. I don't have a problem with running super slow. I wouldn't, right. I didn't do it all in, like, marathon-specific training, but, like, you know, other than that, it's, I don't mind. Right, like, in a month from now, you're not going to, like, freak out if you go on easy run and it's, you know, 7.30 pace. But you wouldn't even really know because you're not, you're not wearing your garment, so you're just kind of free from all of that judgment. Right, right, which is a, a, another part of the reason, I think, why I don't, I don't, I don't like that, like daily comparison, like, oh, how am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, am I, am I doing better than yesterday or, you know, because every day is different, right? The weather's different, you feel different. You might've had a stressful day at work. I mean. Right. I and some that. days like you feel really good on your run and it's like a great run. And sometimes I'll like look down at my watch and be like, oh, well, it must not have been that great, you know, because the pace isn't there, but you don't even ever experience that, which is awesome. Right. I mean, there are definitely days where I know I'm not running well, you know. <laughs> right. Like, you just feel like crap. Yeah. Oh, too. Like, in general, like, I do a lot of running on the river road, and I kind of know approximately how far a mile is. So I can tell, like, oh, gosh, okay, I'm, I'm not moving very quickly today. But, you know, it's okay. Do you feel that way a lot when, like, kind of sluggish? I mean, you run a lot of miles, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, I mean, yeah. If, if you're running – a hundred some miles a week you're gonna feel pretty sluggish yeah sometimes I would do like in my training last last fall I remember days where I was barely able to maintain like 730 pace on an easy day and I'd be like gosh I got a workout tomorrow and I'm supposed to do 10 miles at 510 pace or whatever and I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna manage 
but yeah like you get intimidated looking at a workout thinking "Ooh, yep totally those are definitely very relatable things for a lot of people and it's good to know someone your pace also feels that way do you ever look at like other people's training logs who are you know around like where you want to be on like running to win or maybe Instagram, even though I don't think that's something people your speed look at a lot, but, um, and think, wow, they did that workout, you know, like maybe I should be doing that sort of workout or how do you do that? I mean, I hear about it. Like if I'm running with, with other guys, they'll, they'll tell me like, Oh, so-and-so did this workout there. I mean, I always hear that stuff. So I know what's going on, but I don't like actively seek it out like oh this is what they're doing this is what i need to be doing but like i was training with tyler tyler german this past fall for houston and he would post all of his workouts and like I, he would do his in the morning if if uh like we would typically work out on the weekends and then once in the week and he would post his workouts and i would see him do like five flat pace for his 10 mile tempo and i'd be like gosh i gotta do that this afternoon i wonder if i can do that you know that i was always really intimidated by that but I, I'm not like disappointed if I, if I'm not able to like, you know, okay. I did the same workout, but at a much slower pace. That's how fine. do you, how do you like manage that sort of like competitive stress? I mean, a lot of it honestly just comes from so many years of work. Like I've put in so many years of work and I've been super patient and I know I worked really hard in college, especially like developing my abilities to the point where it's like, I just have a lot of confidence at this point that I don't worry if I'm not able to hit pace on a workout or something. It's like, you know what? It wasn't my day, but I still have a ton of confidence that I'm capable of doing it. Do you think that confidence is like a huge part of distance running? For getting the training right. I definitely think it is because you kind of have to have the confidence sometimes to step back and say, you know what? I'm not feeling well. or This, this workout isn't going well and it's not my day. And I got to just, I just got to quit. And, and come back in a couple of days and try it again when maybe I do have a, a shot at it rather than, you know, some people are so caught up in their workouts. You know what I mean? That like, if they have a bad workout, like it just ruins their day. It ruins their confidence. And they're like, Oh, you know, this is, I'm done. You know, I used to be that way for sure. In college, I remember having workouts where it's like, if it doesn't go well, you take your shoes and you throw them in the trash and you say, you know what? Clean up my locker. I'm never coming back. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I have had workouts like that too, where I just get so mad. Like I'm like, this, it's over. Like my running's done. Like I'm done for. Yeah. Right. But then you wake up and you realize, okay, I can try again. Um, so you have workouts now where you just like sandbag it. If you're like, Hey, not feeling good today. I'm moving it. Or how do you manage it now? Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I, I had, I had a fair number of workouts last fall where it just wasn't my day. And I just kind of I let it go and you just do your best to finish and, and, and or, or just make it to the end of the end of the run. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's it obviously paid off for you, whatever you did when you were approaching your workouts and it wasn't your day. Um, how like if you were doing a marathon training cycle and you're, you know, the three month build up traditionally, how many workouts do you think you would have to like, you know, call off? Um, gosh, I don't really know. I probably had, I don't know, maybe a handful of workouts last fall that just didn't really go well. But usually I was able to salvage at least something like one of them we were doing uh, 12 miles where it'd be three miles at like a steady state, maybe 530 pace. And then the fourth mile was supposed to be hard, more half marathon pace, kind of uh, like a five flat. And I, I managed like one, one cycle of that. And I was like dead. And I was like, well, that's, that's that. So, you know, I, I started doing my, my easy, my steady state at like a, an easy six minute. And then just kept doing the hard five minutes every three, every fourth mile. Wow. Yeah. So you even have days like that leading up to um, like race day, were you starting to feel really good and confident and things were clicking or did you kind of have some bad workouts even, you know, a month out from the race? Yeah, I mean, Two weeks out, we did like eight miles or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it was supposed to like alternate between 15 seconds faster than marathon pace and 15 seconds slower. And I'm shooting for like, you know, 510, 515. So I'm doing my hard, hard paces at like five flat and easy ones at like 525, 530. And I remember thinking that felt hard. Like I thought it would feel easy. It's eight miles and it's like 
I still got to do three times that on the actual race day. And it's like, it's, it just doesn't oh. feel easy, you know? Right. Did you have your Garmin watch on that day or how did you know the paces? I did that on the treadmill actually. Cause that was, um, that was, uh, it was a snowy kind of a cold snowy evening. So I did that indoors on the treadmill. Did you use an incline on the treadmill? I do for like, if it's a regular treadmill or mm-hmm. if I'm doing a run, but for a hard workout, I don't just because I want the confidence of being able to hit the paces, you know? Right. So that day when you were doing that workout, did it kind of like sit with you wrong? Like you were like, Oh no, I don't know about this goal going into Houston. Or did you just kind of like let it roll off and you're like thinking everything was going to be fine? I was, I was definitely nervous. I didn't, I really didn't know what to expect. Even like the morning of the race, like I didn't have like a, a set plan other than just to feel it out and see how I was feeling. If I went out at like five ten pace and I'm huffing and puffing, I was like, well, okay, I'll have to back off, you know? Right. So what, what was your game plan going in the race then? Did you have like an idea for what sort of pace you wanted to start at um, and how you wanted it to feel? Um, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't even give me like an elite bib. So I had to start with like the athlete development program, what? which they, they wouldn't give you an elite bib. They wouldn't even give me an elite bib, which I guess is kind of fair. Cause my marathon PR is 221, but I feel like my half at least should have gotten me in there, but I did, apply, I did apply super late. So that's kind of my fault too. But so right. I made a start, like there was a solid, like 50 meter gap between us and the elites though. So, like, the gun goes off, and we're, like, 50 meters. So, my mm-hmm. gun time was, like, 2.15.11, but my chip time was 2.15.06. It took me five seconds just to get to the line, right? Right. And then it took me, like, about a mile to catch up to the pace group that I wanted to be with. And because I had started so far back, my first mile was, like, a 4.55 or something. And I was, like, holy cow, that's way too quick. <gasps> oh, yeah, because you were, like, trying to catch them, you know, like you wanted people to run with. Right. So I had to back off and then I kind of actually ran with like, so the marathon and the half start at the same time in Houston. So I ran with the elite women half marathon. It was like the first eight miles of the course, which was kind of fun. Cause like people always go nuts when the first women go by. Right. So you got oh, tons, yeah, yep. tons of energy, which was just, you know, I was, I was just riding that wave as long as I could, you know, and then they, they peel off. And at that point, like six or seven miles, I caught up to my pace group again. And so I wasn't alone at so then you, you ran with them and like the excitement kind of died down or were people still cheering more <laughs> during those last, the last couple miles of the race? I mean, that's kind of when you need it the most. Yeah. quieter, But it was, it was fine. I mean, just having people to work with was, was the, I, I cause I, I was, again, I was like thinking, I honestly thought in my head I was maybe capable of like 216 to 217. And so I wanted to go 216 pace, but there was nobody going 216. There was a two, 214 pace group in and 218 i think so mm. like there was one guy running with us and he was like really putting some work and he was breathing hard and i was like man you are tough you're putting in work and he's like well i'm supposed to be back there but it's lonely back there you know like you don't want to run 26 miles by yourself so oh my gosh with that group which i thought was a little bit out of my range i i, I preferred that anyway to run you alone yeah, I mean, that's tough. You kind of have to make that, that decision run alone or run with the group a little faster. So did you feel like your breathing was, you know, a little labored? Or at what point of the race did things start, you know, feeling tougher for you? Yeah, no, I, I, at no point did I feel like my breathing was um, – I wasn't breathing hard at all, really. Um, it's for me, I mean, the marathon is more just my legs. It's aerobic, know. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's not – it wasn't an issue of um, – and I remember telling myself too, that was before the race. I was like, if at any point I feel like I'm breathing, if I feel myself breathing hard, like I'm going to back off. Cause I know that's a recipe for disaster in a marathon. If eight miles in you're breathing hard, like that's. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy that you were with who was kind of working hard? Did he fade away? Or? He faded a little bit. Yeah. But he still salvaged a really great race. Cause like, I was shocked that he was like breathing hard at like, yeah, eight or nine miles in. And it's like, you're only a third of the way there. Right. That's tough. (laughs) But he still ended up running really fast. So that's great. Right. So what place did you get overall there? Do you know? Uh, I think it was 12th. 
12th place overall. 12th place? Whoa. And they didn't give you any elite bibs. So that's funny. They were probably like, who is this guy coming in? <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. We're, when did, did you end up like running alone at the very end then? Because I know it kind of like staggers off. No, I ran with um, a guy named Tristan. I think he's Canadian. Um, and we, he finished maybe five or six seconds behind me, but we we really pushed it together the last couple of miles. He, uh, he and I were, were side by side from like, so they didn't, they wouldn't give me bottles either. Cause I wasn't elite. Right. So he was very, very fortunately um, sharing his bottles with me. So I, I stuck with him a big, big reason. That's a big reason why I stuck with him anyway, because uh, uh, I didn't have any, any fluids on the course. So. Oh my gosh. So did you take any of the, the cups that the volunteers had like the that everyone else uses or did you just share with the Canadian I, guy? I, I tried I grabbed a cup of water at one point I mean they had water and Gatorade I think Gatorade's just a little bit too too thick for me in America right yeah too sugary right so I grabbed a cup of water at one point but um other than that it was like it's super difficult to like for me anyway to drink water during during a race so um, well right i mean especially you're probably used to i mean at grandma's you always have an elite bib so you always probably get your own bottles um and if you're not used to it and i can't imagine trying to grab a cup when i'm going five five minute pace i don't know how you how you do that because sometimes even going right yeah right Um, and what other fuel did you like use during the race besides um... i took one goo but honestly i don't even feel like i mean i took it halfway just more as a precaution i didn't feel like i needed it i don't know if i did i eat a ton of food most people are like oh i'm gonna eat lightly to get into race shape or whatever so i just i ate like three dinners the night before and like i was (laughs) i just ate three dinners i mean i ate a ton of food and that works for me like i just i yeah I ate do you eat a lot in the morning too? I had a bagel and a banana, which is a lot for me because I would never eat before a race other than a marathon because my stomach's fairly sensitive. Wow. So lots of carb loading before the race on that's your your secret. It, it works for me. Yeah, I know most people are most people seem like the guys I were with, they were like, Oh, we're gonna have a sandwich from Subway and I was like, That would not do it for me. Oh right. Like for dinner the night before. No, it's, it's that's that's pretty light for someone, especially, I mean, it's not a lot of carbs either, probably. I mean, some bread, but yeah. Right. So to kind of like wrap things up, I, I've met you a few times. And I feel like you're pretty, um, like a mentally stable runner. I would say, I know sometimes people, they can get really like wrapped up in their training and really, you know, worried, like, oh, no, like, this workout didn't go right, or, oh, no, like, I have to work today, and I have a workout, and all that stuff, so you, you do a good job, I think, balancing, like, keeping running kind of more as, like, a fun, you know, hobby that you do, also, you know, working full-time, and having a life outside of running, so what is, like, your advice to people who are having a hard time, like, putting things in perspective, because I know I'm sure in college, you probably had times where you thought running was like your everything in your life. And then like over the years, you've kind of developed more and any insight there. Yeah, absolutely. No, I know what you mean. Like when I was in college, if you had a bad race, it was like, you felt like you were like lost as a person. Cause like, for me, like my personality was so wrapped up in that and, and feeling like, um, that's just like without that, like I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot, you know? So I've, I've, that's, and that's hard too. It's a lot of pressure on yourself to, 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 to do that to yourself and, and uh, to feel that way. So I think uh, over the years, anyway, I've kind of stepped back and, and I've gotten better at it and, and just realizing that, you know, it is just, it is just something you're doing for fun. And, and I just try to have fun with it. Um, when I was on Team USA, like for example, it was a lot of stress, you know, and it's like when it takes the fun out of it, I mean, I feel like I, I'm not able to perform as well. If I'm just, having fun with it you know and some of my best races honestly are when I'm just just having fun and you're not you're not worrying about it you know right yeah I think like putting those expectations on yourself that you have to do a certain thing or you know you have your whole identity wrapped up in something I think maybe part of the reason why you ran so well I mean of course you put in the training but I think when you step back after grandma's, you just were like, whatever you didn't, you weren't taking your training like super seriously because you had other things going on in your life. And while you were still working hard, like your entire identity 
you know, wasn't wrapped up in it. Right. No, I just, just, I just try to have fun, you know. You <laughs> just try to have fun. I love it. That no, that's that's a good that's a good thing for people to remember. If you can if you can run a marathon and have fun, like you know, that's all you need. Honestly, I mean, I love the most important thing. I love is just like the people that you meet through the sport, you know. And it's so incredible. Like, um, you know, halfway through a marathon, I met some guy from Canada, and you know, who knows if I'll ever see him again. But it's like we were best friends there for like 10 miles, just like encouraging each other and trying to hang in there. And, you know, and it's like, you meet some, some really, really cool people that way. And like, you know, you're so, you're so open and vulnerable at that point, you know, like you're both hurting really bad and you both have so much on the line and it's like, you can really, you know, you can really bond over that. And and that's the cool thing about the sport is like anybody can do it. Right. Like, it's like, I'm sharing the same starting line with you and like, you know, 40,000 other people, everybody, you know, we're all right. Yeah. We're all feeling that same struggle. We're all, you know, you can really, you know, no, I, I totally agree. I think that the running community is really unique in that way. I, I, I feel like it's unmatched and, um, you know, in other places, like you, you, it's the only place where you can go where everyone's kind of like suffering through the same thing together and they're all doing it, you know, for fun and, they just want to like push themselves to be the best version of themselves. And I think one of the things that I liked about your Instagram profile is like the quote that you had, it was like the essential thing is not to have conquered, but to have fought well. Right. That's the Olympic model. And that's, that's the, yeah, that's the important thing. That's what I live by. It's like you, you might not be able to, 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 um, to win a race or whatever, but like, and as long as you're like doing everything you can to maximize your talent and compete as hard as you can, then you have nothing at all to be ashamed of or to feel bad about after a race, even if you didn't, you know, hit your, right. Like even if you yeah. didn't hit your goal time or hit a PR, like it's all just about the process. And let's say, you know, your marathon, you didn't run the two, two sixteen or two fifteen that you wanted to, um, I mean, you'd still, you know, show up to train for another marathon, I'm sure, right? Like, it's always about... You get over it, yeah. I mean, you, you, you get over it. You come back. It's addicting. It's hard to yeah. walk away. Right. It's like a lifetime sport. You're never going to... And everyone has those bad races. I mean, like, you, I'm sure you've had a bad race. Oh, I've, I mean, I, I have I have a couple dozen bad races. It's first it's like a good one here and there, I would say, but that's, that's running. Yep, that's that's, that's running. Yeah, so I really love talking to you about kind of your background and your philosophy with how you stay motivated over the years and your attitude towards the sport. I think it's really inspiring to hear about it, and I think other people are going to love hearing your advice also. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Um, it was fun talking with you. And before we go, can I give a shout-out to my good friend Kylie? She's the, uh, yeah. she's the one I went to, uh, to Boston to watch her run um early last year and i promised she said she she loves your podcast so i promised i'd i'd give her a mention uh tonight oh really that's awesome how did she do at boston um she did really well she ran i think it was right around the three hour mark which was um almost a pr for her which was incredible in those conditions (laughs) yeah and yeah so that's like i was like man like in good conditions that's like a low 250s or mid 250s probably so totally well that's awesome so shout out to her and thanks for coming on the show and sharing all of your inspiring stories with us all right cool thanks thanks for having me tell tell ben jacobs we got to get a run in sometime if you ever see him (laughs) okay i'll tell ben jacobs that (laughs) all right bye